Another week, another podcast. We have returned again. Hey, I always laugh at the beginning of these. I know. I, <laughs> I, I try why. to like. I try to like mix it up. up like, I, we need to start getting like the rights to like some sweet songs or something, so we can like bust in with like some Led Zeppelin or something. Like oh, that. that'd be alright. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Zeppelin's factor into our tweets this week. So sweet. Stay I can't tuned. Wait. I have something about airships. This nice. Is gonna be, this is going to be good. Uh, so yeah, welcome back. Uh, I am uh, Matthew Keevil, and I'm sitting with my co-host Leslie Stokes, and this is the North. Northern Minor Podcast, uh, episode six. 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 You know what these have created for me? Like I, how fast weeks go? Like I feel like we just recorded one. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're here again in studio a week later and I'm like, geez, a week went by already? I'm like, what have I been doing for <laughs> the last seven days? I, I look forward to it every week. I just get to sit down and have I a gab too. with Matt. It is, yeah. And we also get to catch up on pretty much everything that's happening, which mm. is really good. So yeah, um, so yeah let's uh, let's kick it off in our usual manner. I'll just run through uh, some of the metal prices, the TSX, and we'll talk a little macro. Uh, there's a few things going on today in, in terms of the Bank of Canada and stuff. So um, firstly... Uh, TSX uh, 13,522.52 points. So I believe we're still trucking along. I mean, markets have kind of been kicking butt recently. So nothing to complain about there. Uh, gold, uh, $1,234.60. So I didn't screw up my gold price reading like last week. So it's up from <laughs> last week when it was around 1217. Uh, copper is trucking along at about this 220 every week. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself all the time. Copper is at $2.19 a pound. So uh-huh. it just kind of stays there. Uh, West Texas Intermediate is at $38.32 a barrel. So there's that. Um, and then, uh, interestingly enough, from a macro uh, standpoint, the uh, Canadian GDP growth for January just came out and just like blew everybody's expectations away. Like all the analysts were like, oh my God, Canada's economy doesn't suck as much as I had anticipated. Ooh, so so what happened? Uh, it grew 0.6% in January. Uh-huh. Um, so the highest uh, estimate I had was CIBC at 0.4%. Everyone else was lower. So it was like well above. Um, and that was largely from what I gather on the back of uh, really good performance in the manufacturing sector and a surge in exports. So that's good. Cool. Um, TD uh, Economics said in their report um, that the Bank of Canada is meeting on April 13th to update their monetary policy. So everybody mark that on your calendar. Super exciting. <laughs> yeah, along with the, uh, what is it, the OPEC members meeting? Yeah, when April that? 17th. April 17th, that's yeah. right. So, whoa, there's a lot of stuff coming up there. Yeah, it's um, going to be a busy week. And uh, TD said uh, they don't expect any action on Canadian interest rates until 2017. So, okay. And as we know, each week the... Federal Open Market Committee in the States flip-flops on interest flip-flops rates. Flip-flops around. I so, swear to God, it's kind of like... And then gold moves, like, yeah, everyone based just, on their comments. Yeah, they, they're saying now that they're, they're not going to consider increasing um, the rates until June. Yeah. Whereas before last week, they were saying they were going to consider it this month. And then gold went down to $1,217, and now it's back up another 20 yeah, bucks. Yeah, so. and it's just kind of like, it's kind of just waffling. It's 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 like hanging out with your friends in the 21st century. You send them a text, are <laughs> like, you going to make it? I'm not really sure if I am. Sure. I'm on the, maybe, I, on I'm on the, the fence. Yeah. Can I let you know later? <laughs> okay, maybe not, you yeah. know? So that's quite... But so, I created us. So, yeah. So, Janet Yellen, you are like, 
are friends who maybe are not coming <laughs> for the party, yeah. but they might come. Flaky so friends, yeah. Always, you're always Instead welcome. of the Fed, we just come the flakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, there we go. There um, go. So interestingly enough, BMO, uh, Bank of Montreal, um, Global uh, Metals Forecast just put out an update on gold because it's changed quite a bit since, you know, even December. Um, so BMO said uh, stellar start to the year, but there's a little conviction in the markets that uh, the near-term rally will sustain itself. Mm. Um, so BMO uh, expects a pullback in gold prices or precious metal prices, I should say, because this is a precious metal report. So this also incorporates silver and I think PGMs. Um, but they expect a pullback in Q2. Uh, their long, their average gold price for 2016 is now $1,200, so which is fine for most guys producing gold or drilling for gold, $1,200, you'll probably take it at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, and then they just mentioned the same thing. We've been talking about uh, all the forecasts are singularly, this is a direct quote, singularly focused on central bank policy expectations. So you could pretty much guess what gold's going to do based on what the banks are going to do. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, another note is they said physical gold supply will be down this year. And in terms of uh, advocating for investments, because people like to know, where should I be putting my hard-earned mining dollars? Uh -huh. um, so they say, uh, this is also verbatim, uh, defensive strategy for investors focus on senior miners with asset quality, balance sheet strength, liquidity, and good management. Which is like the most right. common sense statement I've ever heard in my life. Exactly. Do they recommend so, anybody specifically? Uh, yeah, yeah, we can do. Uh, they did actually, they have like a top picks for each sort of space. So um, for the royalty streaming space, these is, this is also like common sense. Right. Like Franco Nevada. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like... No, not a lot of risk. There's not a lot of risk appetite in the, in the <laughs> iBanks still. Uh, the large cap gold, they actually picked Gold Corp. Okay. Which is a little different. We've been talking about how conservative they were with their guidance. And so they might overperform. Uh, in the mid-tier space in gold, uh, we have Alamos and uh, Endeavor Mining. Endeavor. Are, right. are, are their two preferred picks. And then Silver is Fortuna Silver. So those are the preferred picks for Bank of Montreal, BMO. Uh, mm -hmm. in their updated price decks. Um, and speaking of mm, large cap gold, I have to think about whether Kinross is large cap gold. Um, so one of the big news items that came across, uh, I guess it was yesterday, so let's say midweek, um, was that Kinross uh, released their updated expectation for the Tassius project in West Africa. And <laughs> this project is like the bane <laughs> of their existence. Like they bought it in like 2010 from uh, Lundin's Redback Mining for over $7 billion. Oh my gosh. Um, and then proceeded to pretty much write down all the money they spent on it. Yeah. Like impairment charge, like, it, like they bought it at height gold. Yeah. And then it went down to a thousand and they're like, well, this is not worth what we thought. So, but silver lining here, I think, hopefully. They seem to be fairly optimistic about this new mine plan. Uh, they've gone through about three mine plans since they bought the thing. They keep re-engineering it. Uh, previously, <laughs> they were going to spend $1.6 billion for a 38,000 tons per day expansion. Um, and now they're doing a f the like cool thing, like phased expansion. So they're, they're going to build a slightly larger mine. And if things go according to plan, they'll build the big mine after two years. So, right. This seems to be so a it's common like, thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just lower risk. And yeah. also, if say you build the smaller one and then gold prices tank, at least you're not on the hook for True story. all the capital you've spent for the larger one. Uh -huh. um, so the new plan, so the first phase there, just so we have a benchmark here, they're, they're currently running at 8,000 tons per day um, at Tassius. And it cranked out uh, around... 220,000 ounces last year at ASIC, which is all in sustaining costs. I picked this up on the Kinross conference call because they call them ASIC. They call a them ASIC yeah, now. Yeah, so it's not AIC. -S -S 
it's ASIC, so it's a little like a cool acronym. So there that's you all go. in sustaining that's costs. Actually, so that's actually say, really great. Yeah, if we say ASIC, that's what we meant. So the cool. ASICs at um, Tassius last year were $1,021 per ounce. Um, and the new buy plan is based on uh, 2P reserves of 132 million tons at 1.9 grams gold per ton for 8.3 million ounces. So it's a bit of a beast. Mm. And that doesn't include uh, measured and indicated resources, which I think... Uh, really? They, they tap wow. on another like 3 million ounces or something like that. And they're still drilling there. They made a couple cool little discoveries recently, but they're not too focused on the exploration side of it. So moving quickly through this, because this is going to be a whack load of numbers. Uh, right. Their first expansion, um, they want to take it from 8,000 to 12,000 tons per day. Uh, that's going to cost them roughly $728 million. Now, that's $300 million in CapEx. And this was so funny because their like, headlining thing in their press release was like, $300 million expansion at Tassius. And I was like, that seems cheap. So I went I went down and buried a little bit into the press release was that, yes, it is a $300 million CapEx, but there is also $428 million in pre-strip they have to do. Wow. So the actual cost to get this thing running is going to be like closer to, you know, $728 million, Exactly, pretty much. Uh-huh. Give or take what happens with inflation. Check your numbers, people. Exactly. So don't... And there was like... Follow your few, gut. I think it was like um, one of the big news, like Bloomberg or something, had like it in the headline, like three hundred million dollar expansion, and I was yeah. like, oh, it's not quite three hundred million people. Yeah, like over double that. Uh-huh. So, so it's not like super cheap or anything, but it does double the annual output and lower their all insistent ASICs. A lot. <laughs> I love that ASIC. Um, so, assuming they spend the seven hundred twenty-eight million to get to twelve thousand tons per day, they'll be producing four hundred nine thousand ounces at ASIC of seven hundred sixty dollars per ounce. So that's that's a reasonable gold metric, like pretty good. Um, and funny enough, uh, I, I hopped on. They had this like big investor event in Toronto. Like they're like, eh, just RSVP, come by, like check it out. We're gonna have all our management there. You you got to know this project doesn't it's not a liability anymore. We're going to make it a world-class mine. Um, so CEO Paul Rollinson said, uh, in, in reference to this new plan, necessity is the mother of all invention. And he said basically that they'd gone through a tough time with this mine because of gold price drops and all that stuff. And they'd redesigned it. And now they come up with this thing because they essentially had to, because gold, they bought it at whatever, $1,800 gold. And they had to reimagine this whole mine at $1,200 uh, an ounce. Um, and what he said was that, it's now a bigger resource, it's higher grade, but it's harder material. So they had to like, oh. the big challenge for them is milling, right? Because yeah, I think they're having be. a problem with milling. Uh, they're doing that. And then the, the, what comes next is the phase two, assuming they've already committed to the phase one. It's being built. It's it's going to be in production in the next two years. So that's that's ready to go. The phase two for Tassie is, is the whole thing's going to cost about one and a half billion. So given the fact I just told you that the first is 728 million, you can guess that the next phase is about that in, in capital costs. So the phase two is 739 million to boost it to 30,000 tons per day. Um, and that includes, again, a, a mixture of capital expenditures and pre-stripping. There's quite a lot of pre-stripping going on here, I noticed. Um, but at that point, the mine becomes pretty mu- a pretty big, like, again, a beast. Uh, it'll be producing 777,000 ounces a year at ASIC of $665 per ounce. And the combined internal rate of return for the whole shebang is it's 17% assuming okay. they do both the IRR on the first phase is actually a little bit better it's 20% okay 
Um, and so Kinross is, yeah, I mean, assuming they can get to that second phase, that's a world cl- Like, I'm not going to argue that. Like, you're producing a mine that's that's very close to a million ounces a year at ASICs that's well under $1,000 an ounce. So that's that's nice, assuming they can get there. It, it does look pretty nice. From, yeah, without uh, any hiccups. Exactly. And there is some, like we said, exploration upside. So they may, uh, one of the, I think Andrew Cape from BMO was at the event. And one of the points he made was that he, he thinks that they will end up going through with the second phase because there's a lot of upside there as far as adding ounces. So it'll probably justify the extra expenditure two, three years down the road. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's pretty much what I had for uh, Kinross. The one other thing I'll add is just, it's always good to have their cast position when you're looking at building mines and stuff. So they have uh, pro forma cash of 700 million and access to about uh, 1.5 billion in undrawn credit. So they should be able to self-fund uh, the first phase. We'll see how that goes. And then mm-hmm. maybe we'll do the second phase. That was the message I got for them. They're like, oh, well, we have the optionality. I hate that word now. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. And Ken Ross was trading at about 450 a share when I last checked. And that gives them a market cap of about 5.6 billion. So interesting stuff. And I do have a big like article on that up on the website now. So everyone go go take a look at that. It is interesting. Um, and I always, uh, it's, it's nice to see that that asset may not be such an anchor anymore for them. Cause it was like, I remember back when they were, they fired, uh, Ty Bird, who was the former CEO. Like that was the main reason they're like, this asset you bought was, you paid way too much for it. So, <laughs> so now they, they might it fix work. it. It might be a company, might be a company maker. They might get re-rated on it. We don't know, but we'll, keep checking <laughs> we sure will we sure will yeah. um and then leslie had this one's interesting because i wanted to know about this recently uh columbus gold is it yes um essentially mounted a proxy battle against east main resources that's right right and i found this interesting because usually proxy battles come from the investment community or something this is a company yeah not even doing like a a hostile takeover bid for stock or anything they're like trying to just take over the board essentially or well it's it's a hilarious well i shouldn't say hilarious i was i was chatting with um the the ceos there yesterday and and Mm -hmm. essentially what's happening is that columbus gold was out shopping around for high quality high grade gold assets and they stumbled across yeah probably in canada yeah let's let's get that out of the way um this East is Maine has East, yeah, and they stumbled across yeah. East Maine's property, the Clearwater That's property, right. specifically yeah. the Eau Claire deposit, which is located in Quebec, pretty much really close to Gold Corp's Eleanor deposit. Okay, okay. So again, it's a structurally controlled, vein style sort of um, gold deposit, and so they found this uh, deposit and they thought, okay, neat. Well. They approached the investor community and who the major shareholders were of East Main. This was Columbus. Yeah, this is Columbus. Yeah. And the apparently um, fr- uh, Robert Joustra. Yeah, Frank yeah. Joustra's cousin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, first cousin. He told me that uh, all the investors told him not to bother to approach the company because they weren't considering any doing any transactions while the management of East Main is still the management of East Main. So the 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 institutional investors told them that they're not doing enough at the project essentially. Essentially, yeah. 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 And around the same time <laughs> Robert's a little bit it's, vague on this. Around the same time Columbus Gold went and purchased um, about 2% of the company so it became a shareholder. The, in the market. Yeah, in yeah. the market and then launched a bit of a proxy um, as a concerned shareholder. Okay. So they so they want to 
reconstitute the board. Essentially. They want to reconstitute the and board. And so they've called what, you know, a special annual meeting or something like that to do so. Yeah, anyway. they have that annual meeting at yeah. the end of April. Oh, okay. So that's coming up. Really it's coming quick. up really quick. Okay. I think it's April 25th. Okay. And so, um, yeah, Rob wants to appoint himself and another member of the uh, Columbus Gold Board on the new directorship for East Main. And he basically said, quote, unquote, just get rid of them all. Oh, wow. And he's being, yeah, except for he really likes Lawrence Court Curtis and gave a big he's shout a chairman, out for him. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. the new director. And who's um, at East Main? That was, he was appointed me, uh, October last year. I forget the gentleman's name who's currently president and CEO of East Main. Oh, that's Don Robinson. And you had and a chance to talk to him as well. I did. Yeah. And Don Robinson, like East Main and this deposit goes basically right back to the very beginning. Yeah, how long has he been there? I heard like 20 years. Well, East Main's been involved in the project since I think like 1984. So it's, a, it's probably his baby at this point. Yeah, and so he they, they were doing it in conjunction with a, another company called Westman, and then they found the deposit in 1987. Mm-hmm. It sat dormant for a little while, and then it was picked up by somebody else who um, did a resource of it in 2002, mm-hmm. at which point East Main eventually became the sole owner and operator of the project. So from 2002 to 2013, East Main has drilled about you know, 170,000 meters wow. of drilling on the project um, and only updated the resource in 2015 with an SRK, um, with alongside SRK. Oh, do you have the numbers on yeah. the resource? So I'm just interested in how much gold they have there. Yeah, they, they were able to outline a gold resource in open pit, which is 7 million tons, grading 4 grams gold for about 800 or 900,000 ounces. Holy smokes, they have an open, open pit. pit resource at almost yeah. 5 grams per ton? Yeah, it's really high grade. It's wow. like one of the highest grade uh, projects out there. Well, now, now um, is it, when you look at it, you said it's close to Eleanor's. Is it similar geologically? Geologically different. Yeah. Oh, okay. They actually equate it to um, Sigma Lamac. Oh, okay. So Integra. In, yeah, and Integra. They always come up. Yeah. So, um, and then of course the underground is a bit smaller because it's probably under drilled. It's um, yeah. four hundred and twenty-eight thousand tons of four point seven eight grams gold. So running at about sixty-six thousand ounces for the underground resource. Oh, okay. And these are measured and indicated. Okay. And then so inferred is yeah. a little bit less. Okay. So um, I guess Rob's main point was that you know East Main just hasn't accelerated this project fast enough, and that the company doesn't have the management team that's experienced in capital markets to really bring this project to fruition and unlock that value for the shareholders. And so, how did East Main respond? Talking well, to uh, management there. Yeah, East Main was just basically saying, you know, this he sort of stuff doesn't really happen. Mad. He sounded really mad. <laughs> he sounded. I would be mad. Too. He was mad, and then Rob yeah. was just really laid back and yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like whatever, you know. The, I mean, the, the fact is fact uh, kind of interesting personalities but dom was just basically saying look you can't rush these projects we've seen what happened with rubicon when they rushed theirs yeah. and they he said that um eau claire is is no different in a sense such that it is structurally complex yeah and it needs a lot of drilling in order to actually um bring those indicated resources into measured and whatever i find it really interesting that it's open pit yeah because you don't see that in that region too usually there's a, a you know a dip or a depth extension that makes these underground mines right like eleanor for example or lamoc well lamoc was actually a pit at one point yes um, but uh yeah interesting that they have that kind of grade and that's pretty ridiculous actually i didn't know it was that high grade yeah it's it really it's a quality asset and that's basically what um don was saying like this is a quality asset and not only that but like the the contact like they've outlined a gold footprint of about seven kilometers oh wow okay. um now the deposit itself is about maybe a kilometer long mm-hmm. and it's open 
And yeah. not only that, but like they, they haven't like they're sitting on a 200 square kilometer property that covers this stratigraphic contact that hosts a lot of the mineralization at Eau Claire okay. and it goes on forever. So it's just like really, really hot looking property. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dom was like, yeah, basically Columbus Gold just wants to have this project for themselves. And um, it's ba basically like a takeover, but for no money and zero premium. And it's, well, it is. It kind it of is. I guess. Yeah. And um, he said it was self-serving. Now, on the other hand, Rob was telling me that it's not self-serving. What's self-serving about it if you want to unlock value for the shareholders and actually bring this project up? He says, you know, they've got a team there that, that are ready to go in that have really strong capital market experience. Yeah. And it can actually, like, drive this project forward. So, I mean, it's kind of hilarious. It's like, a you know, you walk into a saloon and there comes Rob, <laughs> right, with his spurs, like... <laughs> I, uh, it is interesting, I, you know, you, like I said at the onset, you don't see that form of takeover company to company. It's really unique. Yeah. yeah. That much where it's always just, we're not so much. Yeah. It's either the shareholders or you just have a straight up hostile bid or something to try to incite, mm -hmm. um, shareholders to vote your way in proxy, but just to kind of just wander in and just inst institute a proxy fight with 2% of the shares. I mean, mm. they must've talked to somebody to have the uh the well maybe it's just a shot in the dark you never know but to have the confidence that that might actually go through it'll be interesting to watch yeah and, and so what's the date on the meeting the meeting is is april 25th and um in defense too for east main he says that the company is pursuing um the pea oh, okay for the project this year okay um after you know they, they just finished basically they, they got the srk report with the mm -hmm. new geological model with the new resource update um, in just last year. So that's why they're kind of uh, launched or PEA. Oh, okay. So there's, there's work going forward. They got about $3 million cash. Okay. So they're going to be able to see that through petition, but we'll see what happens. And I took a quick glance before we came in. I think the companies are trading roughly at the same share price. They are, yes. High 30 cents, like 35 yeah. to 38 cents. And I So think comparable companies. Columbus has a slightly higher market capitalization. I believe it's 7 to 8 million higher. Um, and just for reference, Columbus Gold does own the Paul Isner deposit Isnerd? in French Guiana. Yeah. And they have a JV or a option of some kind with Norgold. I don't have that information. I don't have that information. But on they do. Either, but. So that's their other asset. So obviously they're looking at something, well, like Rob said, looking for high-grade gold assets. Yeah. Anyway. In the Americas, aren't we all? Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, that's keep your eye out. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So uh, Leslie will be writing that up. I guess today it might even it's, go live. It's actually done. I'm just going to um, yeah, have you we'll take a look at it. Take then... a look at it, and then we'll get that up today, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that uh, I was interested in hearing about from you is Barkerville, because Barkerville is always like, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's always a good story. Oh, good, good or bad. <laughs> good or bad. <laughs> good or bad. Barkerville's making news somehow. So well, uh, it's, it? it's funny because Barkerville hasn't made any news, which is news in well, itself. Well, the uh, Sprott thing, I guess, was the They've been really quiet. Mm -hmm. And I've been after them. I'm like, why are you guys so quiet? You know, we haven't heard any news out from them since basically Osisco, you know, made their big oh, replacement right. and then $25 yeah, million dollar royalty purchase, 1%. Um, yeah, and so I was speaking to Tom Brodovich yesterday. Yep, you mentioned Tom before, I think. Yeah, he's CEO. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Chris Lauder from Osisco is sitting as president now oh. of Barkerville. But, anyway, I was talking to Tom, and I was like, Tom, what's what's happening? Why, why are you guys, you know, being so slow? And he says that the exploration team has just been basically churning out heaps of work over there, and they're putting all the information together. So 
we should be expecting a bit of an update in the project soon. Like a, a full-on resource update? or a, um, Well, they, they are they working on the Cow Mountain resource. Okay. Oh, the, the, uh, the infamous Cow the Mountain. The Cow Mountain. Yeah, we won't, we won't get into that anymore because <laughs> we, we've, we've all talked about it. Let, let's talk yeah. about where we're going forward now with the let's, cow. Let's move ahead. Yeah. For, for the sake of Barkerville Gold. Yes, for the sake of Barkerville Gold. <laughs> I mean, Cow Mountain um, has got 2.8 million ounces as indicated and 2 million ounces inferred. And now, Paul, you're, you're really familiar with this deposit, so maybe you can help That's me so out cool. um how does cow mountain r- relate to bonanza ledge right yeah. oh my god those are the two you hear the most about when it comes to barkerville right okay so to bird's eye view mm-hmm. you have um famous placer gold district dating back since like basically inception of british columbia um produced you know three million ounces gold and placer just in the creek most of it came from the creek basically right where um barkerville's cow mountain island mountain okay. and those okay. resources sit okay yeah and then so you have it's like three three hills three mountains they're more hills um and each one of them has a almost a different style of gold mineralization in each one mm-hmm. and very structurally complex like you have island mountain that was mined i don't know how much they mined about six hundred thousand ounces gold uh past producer from back in the day. Um, And that's like these mullions, which is basically like these lineations of replacement ore. So it's like really rod shaped sort of ore. But not veins. No. No. No, it's like replacing, it's just gold and pyrite within a stratigraphic horizon. Okay. Now, when you go stratigraphically higher, then you go into the Cow Mountain, which is um, like sheeted veins. And I think it might have some replacement in there, but Mm -hmm. apparently like it didn't really hit that favorable contact that has a replacement ore. So all those millions of ounces are sitting stratigraphically above island mountain. So it's like a different different zone it's really yeah. complicated yeah. and then of course the bc <laughs> bc what what they have been mining there is like a replacement or but then beneath that you have the bc vein which is again totally different it's like a quartz vein mm-hmm. really steep and narrow okay so they've they've got a lot on their plate so what's their big fo- is cow mountain their major focus right now cow mountain is their prize okay the cow is okay. their prize they the say it's not an elephant now it's a cow yeah <laughs> well <laughs> it's, it's no longer a calf cows. it's back to being maybe a cow <laughs> so that's that's their main prize and yeah. what they're doing at bc vein and the bl vein and all these things is that they, they want to take this pit that they had been producing out of and instead of doing a pushback which is what they originally designed they want to go underground now oh, okay and they just want to it'll be about two years i think of operations and they're going to be mining um what's left out bonanza uh, ledge and um the bc vein and then using that as positive cash flow so they don't have to go back to the market and dilute their shareholders and they're not they're not using the qr facility anymore um they will be yeah i I tell you my dad used to have and my brother worked on that oh really had the qr like oh gosh this would have been 10 years ago Uh. not quite seven to ten years ago but yeah he's like before someone he's always like damn qr yeah. <laughs> no, yeah it's still alive yeah it's still it's still processing over so that's interesting so yeah the, um did you have a you had a chat with with he was just telling you that they were going to come up with some sort of update in the next little while yeah, yeah yeah exactly and so um but yeah so i'll be covering that story just to give it a little bit of an update and uh what their new plans are because they, they have changed their production but they, they're expecting to go into production on the bonanza ledge probably sometime this year like half this year third quarter oh, okay cool yeah so they're going to start that but again their focus is, is on the cow they have to redo all the work that was done there before because of poor recoveries yeah um, from historical drilling. So uh, we'll be expecting some good news out on that. But for now, I'll just be kind of giving everyone a little bit of an update because their share jumped from 
25 cents to 50 cents. Yeah. Yeah. Like within two well, weeks a, in February. Pretty serious involvement there on, well, the, on the financial side. Right? Well, Tom said he was like running around talking to all these financiers. He said he was, he was in Switzerland when he came back. Everything was like back. <laughs> yeah. Everything everything kind of doubled. So he's been marketing it pretty, pretty good. And everyone's been saying that, hey, look, the stink is off Barkerville. Did, uh, that's did the they, of it. Do you know how much they're drilling there this year? Oh, like 60,000 meters. Holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's like probably the biggest drill that campaign in BC. Well, next well, to Mednor, jeez. Yeah, yeah, can you imagine? Mednor's got 60,000 oh, too. that's not in BC though. Nah, not yeah. in BC, it's true. true. I mean, I don't it's know how much uh, Predium or, or uh, Seabridge or um, those guys, so some of the bigger companies are drilling, but that's yeah. got to be one of the bigger programs. Oh, totally. That's in the province definitely right one now. of the biggest programs yeah. in the province right now. And hey, we can bounce into some more BC stuff because I got... Uh, what do you have? I got um, an interview with Chris Richter, who was the uh, president... Who is, sorry, was... <laughs> is the uh, president and CEO of Arico Metals, which was the uh, the spin-out from Arico Gold and Alamos that uh, ended up with the Comes project. So we all remember Comes. Comes was uh, Northgate Minerals operated it. Um, was uh, Open Pit Mine... Uh, where the heck is it? I have that here. It's... Uh, 250 kilometers due north of Smithers. Mm-hmm. I've never been there. So that's pretty far. Um, now, interestingly enough, the big thing they have there is infrastructure, right? Because there's a past producing mine. So the replacement value on like, like the pictures are pretty impressive. You'll see them. I think we'll run it this week. And there's some cool aerial shots of like the, the mill and stuff. And there's a billion dollars in replacement value there. So the big upside for them, they just put out a, uh, a Rico Metals, just so we can get this all clear. They ended up with the Comes asset, which was... Comes Underground, Comes South, Comes East, and Comes Offset. So it's just a property package with a few different deposits they have. Mm-hmm. And they have a royalty portfolio. So they have five producing royalties and I think two or three potential royalties. So we'll say those are not producing. Um, but they have three royalties in Canada, including the big one is the Young Davidson mine, which we all know. Um, and then they have two in Australia. The I don't know if you know these mines, the Fosterville and the Staywell mines. No. From when you worked down there. But, uh, they're no. with New Market Gold now. Oh, right. Uh, when they, they snapped up Foster, uh, Foster uh, Crocodile. Um, so, yeah. So, Arico, interesting story because they expect to per, uh, generate between 8 and $9 million in after-tax income this year. So, they've got a cash flow, which is pretty, um, well, really, really unique for a junior. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, they put out, uh, they've been working on this Comes thing, which is a copper gold, generally, like, porphyry style thing, right, um, in uh, northern BC. And uh, the interesting thing for them is that they can figure they can get a 12-year mine, copper gold mine into production for about $450 million. So on a relative basis, like when you're lo- looking at something like in BC. Especially that far north. That far north, like that, like given, like, so, so well, if you think about it, like they have a billion dollars in replacement infrastructure. So assuming they were building it from scratch, it would be like 1.5 1. 1. billion. Right? So they have yeah. like this uh, this infrastructure that is just kind of screaming for ore, right? Like it's in pretty good shape. They don't need to spend that much on on the actual uh, mill and site and stuff. So one of the one of the points Chris made to me that was pretty interesting in my opinion was that uh, the capital allocation of that 450 million it's not so much like we said in in milling or anything like that. It's all it's like majority in underground development. And he qualified that as not as risky, like it's lower risk capital, right? Because a lot of the capital bloats you have on mines mm. tend to happen in like long lead time items or like your mill or your sag or something. So they're just essentially going to be digging, right? So he said, oh, we could just dig it. We know what's down there, so, right? <laughs> you can dig um, it. We can dig it. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, so they put out this new feasibility study on the Comes Underground, which is uh, the Cug 
the Kug. K-U-G. You can dig the Kug. Yeah, you can dig the Kug. Um, <laughs> and that's based on uh, 107.4 million tons at 0.27% copper and 0.54 gram gold. So it's kind of a... I would imagine, I didn't actually look at this, but I'm going to imagine it's like a 60-40 gold cash flow. Like, I bet it's more, it, like he even said, he's like, we know that people don't like copper right now, but this is a gold story. And I'm like, well, that's, it's oh. like when I talk to the guys at Western Copper and Gold, the casino too, they're like, well, we could be a gold or a It's optionality, oh, God, Matt. No. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two words I tweeted this recently. Optionality and bifurcation are two words i like i don't i keep hearing them like everyone says them and i don't know who launched this like movement or who said i think it might have been rick rule or somebody at one of the (laughs) and then everyone's like i like that i like i'm gonna use it so uh so yeah um i was talking to chris and he was just outlining this to me a little bit uh the mine assuming they they they're they're moving into permitting right now so it's 180 day permitting environmental permitting uh process they're proposing that they're going to put all their tailings in the old comes south open pit Right. Which is nice because it's already there and they were already using it for that purpose. Northgate was. Um, so he said the government and uh, First Nations are pretty happy with that scenario. Like they're not building a new tailings pond or anything. They're using something that's already there and already been used for that purpose. So they're moving into 180-day review now in BC and they're hoping to get a decision from the government by the end of the year. And that would pretty much be the kind of last step in de-risking for them. So it's $450 million for a 12-year mine that would produce 106,000 ounces of gold annually and 47 million pounds of copper. So interesting stuff. Um, and also interesting is uh, they, they aren't currently incorporating two discoveries they've made uh, subsequently, which is Comes East, which is even deeper than Comes Underground. I was like, you should call that Comes Deep. Um, <laughs> the deep good. But it's higher grade. So they, they uh, released a, a resource on the Comes East, and it's 39.2 uh, indi- million indicated tons at 0.4% copper and half a gram gold. So mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And then they in, uh, outlined like this high-grade core of the thing, and it's the 31.7 million inferred tons at 0.45% copper and 0.63 gram gold. So that's equivalent would be pretty nice there. And then, uh, the uh, these ones are about like a kilometer east of the underground. And about six and a half kilometers north of like the processing facility and stuff. So they haven't incorporated that into this feasibility study. Um, so yeah, so their underground feasibility study has an MPV of 289 million and a 12.6% IRR. So interesting, like it could be another permitted kind of operation in Northern BC there, just waiting for the right partner or financing opportunity uh, to get us going. So hopefully BC jobs, we hear yeah. Barkerville, we hear uh, Rob McLeod and the IDM guys might be sneaking up on in uh, production ksm pradium so hey more mines in bc yay 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 um without further ado it is that time of the week the day the <laughs> afternoon if you will it is twitter time twitter time it is there are some really cool tweets this week i found some good ones so we will get to those as soon as i pull them up on my handy little phone here we go Okay, so uh, we're actually starting out with uh, a tweet from Selma Tariq, our writer in Toronto. Uh, she just covered um, the Lithium Americas deal with uh, the Chilean uh, mining and chemicals company. Oh, geez, this is in Spanish. Uh, Sociedad Comitia y Minera de Chile. Good job, Mesh. I don't think that was very good. Wow, well, it convinced me. <laughs> I don't speak a word of Spanish. So. Um, and they just... No, uh, 
the SQM is the acronym for this Chilean company, and they'll pay U.S. $25 million in exchange for 50% stake in Lithium America's Argentinian subsidiary, which uh, holds the Cacheri Olaroz Lithium Brine Deposit in northwestern Argentina. Now, this is interesting. I actually covered Lithium America's was Western Lithium, which I covered like a month ago, and they also have the Kings Valley Project in Nevada. So they're kind of one of these front runners on the lithium side. So this was a big deal for them bringing in sort of a strategic partner. So be interesting to see if they're one of the companies like everyone's waiting to see who can hit production in the lithium space because it's been bound, the prices have been going so yeah, high. Yeah, it's always Nevada, Argentina. Yeah, well, the Nevada's, yeah, it's all these um, uh, lithium op- brine operations, right? They need to do these like in-situ kind of things. So they're, it's interesting anyway, but uh, yeah, so uh, check out Soma's article on Lithium Americas and their partnership uh, in Argentina. Um, and this one is so funny. Uh, you got to read this after I uh, after we get out of studio because I was like, it's all over the place. I've heard like a few different outlets have picked it up. We should probably pick it up because it's awesome. Um, but I'll mention it. So mining this from our friends at mining.com. And there is a breakthrough aircraft to transform remote mining. That doesn't sound too awesome until you realize it's like looks like a zeppelin, like it's a blimp. Oh, this is the zeppelin. Yeah. So, so well, I don't. It's nice. not exactly, but it's like kind of the same idea. So Lockheed Martin apparently signed the first cover for the LMH1, um, it, and and Lockheed Martin's a, a big big time defense contractor, just so everybody knows. Um, and it's like a hybrid airship. Um, so the LMH1 is a unique new aircraft, which is part helium. I can't. De- Derigable, oh, I don't know. Part cargo what? helicopter. I'm not a. I'm not an aviation guy. It's like worse. <laughs> part passenger airliner and part hovercraft. Right. So the uh, uh, chief and co-founder uh, Michael Kendrick said, uh, "We see a pent-up demand in the mining and oil and gas sector, uh, and expect our first customers from this industry." So you think? So this is like uh, it, it's a cool. You have to see the pictures of it. It's pretty cool. So um, what kind of sets it apart is. Uh, it has hovering and landing capabilities. Um, so by ref- uh, this is per- verbatim from what they said about the uh, the aircraft. So uh, by reversing the airflow, the landing gear acts as three giant suction cups and make it possible to land and grip any unimproved field, including ice, snow, mud, sand, and water. Whoa. So it's just like a transformer, essentially. I think everyone in Newfoundland needs The that. only thing that's missing is its ability to transform into a giant robot. <laughs> but it can actually like i wonder if it could like land on the side of a building with its suction cups like, <laughs> like that's awesome i like i hope they make a toy of that because i'm gonna put it on my desk oh yeah definitely yeah um and just a reminder from cim is that uh well this is the tweet from cim some choices are easy attend the cimbc mining conference uh, which is uh I believe May 1st starts. Right. So there's a big yeah. mining conference. Uh, the AGM. In Vancouver. So uh, I'm sure both of us will be down there. I think uh, our publisher, Anthony Vaccaro, and some other uh, other reps might be flying out from Toronto. Yay. So oh, I, we may great. have a booth. I'm not too sure. But CIM reminds you that early bird pricing does end on April 8th. Okay. So everybody check that out. Uh, CIM is always a good time. Um, and then, oh, my... <laughs> Okay, so Tosico Mines, uh, they're still they're still keeping me abreast on their proxy battle with Raging River. <laughs> Never get into a fight yeah. with anybody named Raging. Yeah, yeah it's well, it sounds like uh, it's like that Raging Bull, that De Niro movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was a that was a dark movie. I had to watch that again. Anyway, so Tosico <laughs> sent their um, management information circular and letters to shareholders for this proxy fight that's going down. Here's the date for the Tosico main event. So it is May 10th, 2016. So they just put out their circular. It's on CDAR. If you're interested in this story, you can 
jump on cedar.com pull down the circular and i was told by one of their their media reps that this is a very interesting read i have full disclosure have not read it yet i will though i will um so yeah so that's the uh, main event market on your calendars may 10th to seco versus raging river it's going down <laughs> it's going down um and then oh i have this one i i, I felt you would uh, take umber umbridge with this one so so um uh, this is again. This is from Cecilia Jamazmi, uh, who is uh, with Mining.com, and she said, uh, "Saskatchewan uranium El Dorado." And I'm like, "No, Leslie says it's the Saudi Arabia of uranium. It's not uranium." <laughs> well, that, that's what Amir Ad Adnin said yeah. once. Uh, I'm like, I just take let's from get his this, words. Let's get this great. straight. Yeah, it's Saudi yeah. Arabia. I, yeah. I love that one. And just to wrap up here, I have a, another awesome technology one. Because okay. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to follow these. These are kind of the coolest stories. So, okay, this is from Materials World. I, I don't know what that is. It must be a, a publication, like a, a subscri uh, shoot, supplier publication or something. So they tweeted, uh, drone sect drones set to explore flooded mines in Europe. Neat. So cool. they're sending in these robots. Uh, so, okay, it gets even cooler. Okay, so an autonomous Underwater robot. Drones. Yeah, an autonomous robot is being developed in Europe to scout for minerals in flooded underground mines. Um, so, which, because they're hoping to reopen these mines, right? Because Europe's trying to find uh, ways to stim for economic stimulus. And one of the ways would be to look at some of these really legacy mines and see if there's any minerals left there. But no humans can go in there because they're flooded. So they're sending in, like, again, Transformers. There's, like, so many Transformers. Well, actually, the, the blimp wasn't a Transformer. That was just my take on it. I wished it was. But these are actually robots. So um, uh, they uh, it's a four-year uh, university project uh, driven through Hungary, and they've got 5 million euros to fly these drones into mines and... Uh, see if there is anything down there so that's another really cool story again i hope to see video soon of a the aircraft blimp i want to see this thing in action and b hopefully someone straps like a gopro to that autonomous robot yeah you can you can easily <laughs> attach the camera i was thinking how sick would it be to have like a bit of a drone race down in any underground mine yeah. water no water yeah exactly well oh you heard about this drone racing stuff have you seen this stuff? i've seen this it's cool it looks really neat i don't know if like it, so it's Star really my Wars. thing because i'm like I, I kind of have like an attention problem. So I'd be like, watch it for like five minutes and be like, okay, that's good. But it looked like they fly, what they do if for, for anyone who hasn't seen it is they set up these like obstacle courses in, in big stadiums and stuff. Yeah. And people like fly drones through like really narrow openings in the stadiums and do like flips and all this, this stuff. I almost swore. I haven't had to use the <laughs> button yet. I was thinking that the other yeah. day. I was like, how come I haven't? Oh, I almost yet. dropped the S S word there. The S bomb. Yeah, yeah, but we're keeping this G rated. So yeah. No. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all we have for this week. Uh, in terms of what's coming down the pike. That's right. The pike, not, not the, the pipe. pipe. I've it's done the this. Pike. Yeah. Uh, our editor in chief, John Cumming, was like, "That's not the right term, man." And I'm like, "Okay, great, we'll change that up." So we did, John. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so what's coming down the pike? Uh, I had an interview uh, with Mark Brackens, who's the interim CEO of Timmins Gold. He talks a little bit about uh, saving their balance sheet and their butts. So that'll be coming up. Um, I also talked to uh, Richard Wark, who is, uh, you know, famous for uh, Ventana, for Rosemont and all that stuff. And what he's doing is uh, they just merged Newcastle Gold with Catalyst Copper, him and Frank Justra. So big money Ooh. guys going after uh, uh, some gold in California. So I had an interview with him and more so just on general market. So that'll be uh, coming up next week. Um 
And yeah, look for Leslie's story on East Main because that'll be coming up today and that's going to be really, really cool. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on that space. Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, that would be good. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all the time we have today. We will uh, we will catch you up to you next catch up to you next week. So, thanks again <laughs> for joining us. I'm Matthew Keeble. I'm Leslie Stokes. And have a great week.